Ken Rex McElroy was a prick. Whoa, Jesus. Like a real prick. For years, he would terrorise the residents of Skidmore, Missouri, threatening and extorting the people there for his own thrills. On July 10th of 1981, he would be shot dead in the middle of the day in front of up to 60 witnesses. The problem is, to this day, nobody has been charged with his murder. This week on Cheeky Tales, we delve into the moral conundrum that is the public murder of Ken Rex McElroy. Hello and welcome back for this, the 50th episode oh, 50. of Cheeky Tales. Oh, half century, time to retire and get the next Bassman in. That yep. is, to now be fair, that's 50 move. including the trailer. Oh. What'd you say? <laughs> so now I can finally move, you know, when you're watching the Batsman. Oh, yeah. And they're on 45 <laughs> runs and you're like, ah, I can't pee. 50 episodes. Not quite two years being a- Yeah, another four weeks. Yeah, but a lot more than that. We need to get to 52. Yeah, which is in four weeks. Yeah, all right, sure. But yeah, 50. We made it to the half ton. Congratulations, boy. Congratulations, boy. Sean, you're on like six, so you've got a long way to go. <laughs> I have been along for the ride. Actually, since day- I can tell you where I was when I listened to Balloon uh, Fest. Isn't, isn't there an episode where you couldn't yeah, yeah. be on? So you're only on 49. Damn it. I am the master. <laughs> Yeah, didn't you didn't you fill in for I it? I filled in yeah. with John Webb. Right, that's pops. right. Yeah, the yeah, the pot. And, and we, and we yeah. can't even do it without him because he's got all the recording. Yeah, we <laughs> <laughs> it would just be our phones. It's just a phone call. It's no, like it's a codec call. I got Audacity on my laptop. We go over the Discord with you, right? You Discord. could do it. But uh, do you have the credentials to upload? No. You should. I no, gave them to you. You, you, you. Well, you may have given them to me, but you never actually given to me. What's the service that we use to upload? Google Podcast. No, it's not Google Podcast. <laughs> it is something with pod in it. Podcast Light. No, no, I do know it's it's, it's Podbean. That's it. Podbean. Podbean. <laughs> Who the f- Podbean? That's the worst name for it. A- They're all like that. They're all stupid names oh, like that. That's terrible. Hey, let's not diss on our. Hey, we pay them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sponsor us. I yeah, mean, give us a sponsorship if you Squarespace, want. Squarespace, please. Listener, if you, if you, if you, if listeners- Where is our Manscaped sponsorship? <laughs> if listener is listening, we're happy to move over Oh, we'll jump ship. Hell I'll yeah. I'll jump ship for as little as $200. Have you noticed- I will jump ship for the crisp payment of one mic stand. <laughs> <laughs> Just I don't please. know. <laughs> I don't know if you're able to do this, boy. Have you noticed with uh, podcast ads at the moment, we, mm. we have a spot for an ad, but we currently don't have an ad. We should just do an ad. Um, but have you noticed that it's like localized ads now? Yeah. Like the podcasters may do their own, but then there must be something they can do, which I don't know if it's Spotify or whoever their services is putting in localized ads. Cause yeah. I'm getting like, I'm listening to Rooster Teeth podcast and I'm getting Queensland government Ads in my yeah, podcast. It's so a I'm thing like, that you can do on ours as well. Yeah. We're just not big enough. Oh. Nobody pays for us. On the topic so. of ads, I was watching a YouTube video this morning that had a paid sponsorship in it, and yeah. I got a fucking ad during a paid sponsorship <laughs> segment. Nice. That's YouTube, brilliant. please. Like, you know when the paid sponsorship bit is. You yeah. mark it. It says, look, this video contains paid sponsorship. Don't give me an ad that I can't skip that's 30 seconds long ad during section. the paid sponsorship. You know what would help with that? YouTube Premium. No, I can't do it. You shouldn't. It's more expensive than I thought it was. Oh, yeah, anyway. I can't. I can. Anyway, 
So this man got shot in the middle of yes, but more importantly than that, the main topic of our podcast never seen anything. The main topic of our podcast as a whole is has a had dick. has had uh, some news come out, and that is Adam Sandler. Oh yes, Adam Sandler. Okay, Adam Sandler. Well, it was a couple of weeks ago that there was movies being removed from Netflix. Yes, Brie is still oh, devastated. Oh boy, Brie's devastated that Blended, the blended is gone. Yeah. Has she ordered the DVD off Amazon yet? No, but look, it's her birthday's coming up. Oh, okay, 4K Blu-ray. <laughs> Her birthday's coming up, and um, I hope she's not listening because I haven't thought about that until just this moment. So you're um, telling me you're getting blended on 4K for Ar- Bree's birthday? Aaron, Good job, Aaron. It's coming up so soon. <laughs> you need to get that extra no, delivery. Biggest, boy. The biggest news is that drone delivery. Yeah, the the long running feud <laughs> of who is yeah, who pilot. is Adam Sandler's best female co lead oh, is going to result. In an Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, Jennifer Aniston movie, uh, I don't know if the script is neither. Written. Neither of those. It's Drew Barrymore. Neither. Neither of them is Adam Sandler's best True. female co-star. Who are you thinking then? Kate Beckinsale. Click. Okay. Okay. One. But he's movie. also done like thirty-five movies with, with Drew Barrymore. With Drew Barrymore. And don't care. <laughs> Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore is peak. Particularly, I, I, I know that at this stage, fifty first dates. Yeah, I know first dates. At this stage, we are mostly known for and are the number one source of Adam Sandler news. Yep. Um, Listen so, to the world's number one Adam Sandler podcast. Yes, yeah, at Adam Sandler. It may please. actually be the highest topic on our podcast now over <laughs> World War Two. Please, Adam Sandler. I want to meet Steve Buscemi. Please, Buscemi. Buscemi. Whatever I say. I saw an, an egg. Did you see the article today with about that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Is that why you brought it up? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So a let's get back to a real fan would have seen Bree. Oh, don't. She's trying to sleep. No, she's not. There we go. Did you see the article today with Steve Buscemi? Yeah. Did. You call yourself an Adam Sandler fan? The guy that puts his arms in there and goes "woo" like in the cast in Grown Ups. That guy. He's like literally- She didn't in, see the- He's in every Adam Sandler movie. She didn't see the article. Just tell her. That was just why he gets cast in all, in the, all Adam of the Adam movies. Sandler movies. Yeah. All right. Well, I didn't actually read it. John, did you read it? Or did you just skim the I headline? It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was working. <laughs> I was working. Look at us throwing shade. Neither of us read the article. <laughs> Look, I don't want to get my phone covered in hair. I'm busy. Oh. <sighs> I skim articles just enough so that when a client comes into the chair and brings something up, I can talk shit about it. Oh, so good. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get back to Ken Rex McElroy. We talked for so long, my laptop just- Ken the snooze. dick. So- Prick. You said dick or prick? Prick. Okay, prick. Both. Ken the prick. So yeah, this guy, he he gets murdered. That is- I will cover how, but- Shot with a gun. Yes, he gets murdered in, in public. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Missouri. Um, and don't get me started on that. I've been on, on a bit of a tangent of American shootings lately and it's crazy. But um, let's get into it. Have you heard of the latest American shootings? I deliberately disengage and keep myself ignorant of it because yeah. I get very worked up about gun safety. So do I. Yeah. Not, I'm not talking about like the teenager party that had four people shot, shot dead. I was talking about like mass shootings in America. I'm like, how many people actually died at Port Arthur? And I did a little bit of research and that. I'm like, would that make a good episode? I'm like, mm, I don't know if it's insensitive or. That's a, that's a yeah. big not for Cheeky us. Tail says yeah. no thank you to Port Arthur. Yeah. So I decided I wasn't going to, but I kind of looked it up and I went, oh, I wonder, I'm just going to Google mass shootings and see when the latest news article was for a mass shooting in America. It was six hours. Yeah. Okay. They have more than one a day. And then in the last day, this has happened twice. 
and this blows my mind as well. There was a a teenager, an eighteen year old, who went to pick up his twin younger brothers, went to the wrong house, and the homeowner shot him just for going to the wrong house. Like knocked on the door, shot him in the head, and then shot him on the ground after he'd been shot in the head. And then this, he was a black teenager. He had to go to three different houses before someone actually offered him help. Help, and then the people that did help him made him lay down on the ground with his arms up to make sure they weren't like he wasn't gonna, a threat to them. He'd just been shot in the head, and then yeah. once again. And then today, there was a car full of people who went into the wrong driveway and a 20-year-old woman was shot dead just because they pulled in the wrong driveway. America needs what a, the hell? America needs a plague. What the hell? Anyway, tell us your story about Omar getting shot in America. It's a moral conundrum. <laughs> Sorry, boys. No, Sorry to bring you down like that. You know, like, I, at the end of this episode, I want you to think okay. real hard sure. about what you feel about it. Okay. And then just- Put that aside. But let's start with Skidmore. Not just a funny name. The town where this sorry tale takes place was founded back in 1840. I got a nose sniffle, that one. In 1880, it would become a stop on the railroad running through the state. And as is the way with most towns like this, uh, even here in Australia, the railroad was eventually shut down and the town began to shrink. Oi, can you please tell me Skidmore about the town? Sure. There isn't much to say about Skidmore. Even at the time of this event, it was, it was and still is surrounded by cornfields. And in 1981, at the time of McElroy's death, was home to just 437 people. So 1981, it's really not that long ago. No. As of the 2020 census, just 245 people call Skidmore home. That is a tiny town. It is a tiny town. Even for like Australian standards. Looking at it on Google Maps was kind of funny because like it's literally just this town surrounded by massive cornfields. Yeah, and right. then for some reason, out in the middle of the cornfields, just randomly scattered a few churches and a school, oh, okay. like kilometres away from Skidmore. And you're like, just go into Skidmore. So when the, when the kids in that town's grandparents used to be like, I used to have to walk 16 yeah. miles through a cornfield just they to did. get to school. They actually they did. did. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> Aside from the murder of Ken Rex McElroy, the town is known for its yearly pumpkin show. That is, I assume, supposed to be pumpkin, but it was spelt punkin. Uh, How do you know it's just not puns? Uh, like, because there was no be, information I could find about it. This could be our kind of there show. There was nothing I could find about it. I'm racking my brain for a pun and I can't think of one. Aside from the pumpkin show, it's known for a few other murders and one unresolved disappearance. Shoot your shot, boy. Tell me your story. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> So it doesn't seem like this town has much going for it aside from murder. Right. So if, if I was to type in Skidmore. You're pretty much going to find this story yep. and the stories about other murders. Ah, yeah. Great place to visit. Some pretty messed up stuff. I would not recommend looking it up if you have a weak stomach. All right. So let's get into Ken's early life. Ken Rex McElroy. And often this stuff is not important to the story. I believe it is this time. Ken Rex McElroy was born on June 1st of 1934 and was the 15th child of 16 to Tony and Mabel McElroy. Get a TV. Get a TV. Oh, sorry. Would have been a radio. Get a radio. <laughs> that day and age. They were a poor migrant tenant farming, tenant farming couple who spent the early years of Ken's life moving between towns in Kansas and the Ozarks, uh, which I finally learned are the mountain range in Missouri. Mm-hmm before finally setting in, settling in Skidmore. Where did they migrate from? No, they were migrating. Uh, like, yeah. Okay. Migrated from place to place. Right. 
By the age of 15, Ken had dropped out of eighth grade before he had properly learned to read and write. He would be largely illiterate his whole life. When Ken was 18, he was involved in an industrial accident while working on a construction site. Ken was seriously injured when a steel slab fell on him, leaving him with chronic pain after suffering severe injuries. Steel slab. Yes. Not a beam. A slab. A slab. It was described as a slab. Oh, jeez. Yes. It's even said that some of his behaviour that we're going to cover a little bit later on was caused by a head injury that he suffered in the accident. Many theorise that he suffered CTE in the incident, which through his life continued to cause erratic and violent behaviour. Now, if you don't know what CTE is, um, basically you get hit in the head a bunch and you end up with trauma on your brain that will not get better and just continues to get worse and you do crazy things and have erratic behaviour. Mike Tyson syndrome. Yep. Antonio Antonio Brown. Brown. Chromatic, traumatic encephalopathy. A brain condition thought to be linked to the repeated injuries and blows to the head slowly gets worse over time and leads to dementia. Yeah. Very sad. Um, And a lot of footballers get that. Mm. I guess which is why in this day and age they are- Care so much about it, yeah. Care so much about concussion rules and stuff From the brain bouncing off the bones of the skull and rotating. Mm. The film Concussion uh, focuses on it. Mm. That is a Will Smith film. It is. Boxing? No, no, it was, no football. It was, it was football. Was that it? the yeah. one he didn't get the Oscar for? I think so. Yeah, that Chris Rock made a joke about. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm down that rabbit hole at the moment. That's right, he got him back for it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boo! Cheeky Tail says no, thank you to public assault. <laughs> yeah, hard pass on hard that. Hard pass. Ken though, Cheeky Tail says no to verbally assaulting women. So. Cheeky Tail, Cheeky Tail says Cop no to Rock. everything that happened <laughs> in that situation. Verbally assaulting women. Never mind. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, Let's not get down that. Ken. I, I took a shot. I missed. Oh, boo. Not Cut like it. these people. Ken would make oh. his money in life with legitimate business dealings, mm. leasing land around his farm and trading and racing greyhounds. Ooh, he would yes. supplement this income with uh, less legitimate business mm, okay. enterprises, including the theft of grain, gasoline, alcohol, antiques, and livestock. Thanks to these activities, he would be in constant trouble with- the law being charged with various crimes up to three times a year and by some counts facing 21 indictments over his life, but would only be convicted just once. Ken would brag often about his Kansas City lawyer, Richard Gene McFadden, saying that he also represented the mob and would effectively keep him out of jail no matter what he did. He would use this fact to intimidate locals in town, keeping them scared enough to ensure nobody would dare be a witness against him. Okay, okay. Starting to paint a picture. Yeah. So these are the less serious of his crimes. Mm, okay. We're going to ramp um, up from here. Yes. I'm going this to is- continue to paint you a word picture of Ken. Picture yourself looking at a word picture. Picture yourself listening to this podcast while watching a map. Is no this bite? A, is this another Dan Sickles episode where it's just going to get crazier and crazier? And- um, not really. Okay. Can't get that crazy. Mm, that was pretty wild. The next section is called, Ken was a real bastard though. Okay. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, right. It wasn't just some small time crime mm-hmm. though. Uh, and it wasn't just his big city lawyer that would keep him out of jail. Ken would follow people and park outside their homes, watching them until they were so freaked out they would withdraw their statements and refuse to testify against him. What? His size certainly helped. Oh, how big was he? Known to be over six foot tall and mm. 120 kilos. Oh, yeah. That is 270 pounds. There were some pretty serious crimes he was accused of as well, with robbery, obviously, 
harassing and assaulting women, destroying property, threatening to kill, and assault. He even shot <clears throat> at least two people. What? The first was Killed? a- uh, No. Okay. The first was a local farmer called Romaine Henry, who he shot in the stomach when Henry had the audacity to chase McElroy off Henry's land while McElroy, while McElroy had been firing weapons. Again, I'm thinking this is like 1880s. It's 1980. It's yeah. Like, this is this 40 is, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling like this is like Wild West type of behavior. No. It's not. It's just- No, this is very yeah. recent history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This dude is a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. He is a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get it gets worse. McElroy would be I feel like I'm out of the loop now. <laughs> well, just- we're gonna get you in the loop. We're gonna tighten that loop around you, and make you think about it. McElroy would be charged with this crime, mm-hmm. though he so would deny ever being there, and would even produce two witnesses that said he was hunting with them away from Henry's farm. What a dog see. Dog see. Yeah. Henry would claim that McElroy had parked outside his home at least a hundred times while the court case dragged on, intimidating him. Eventually, during the trial, uh, McElroy's lawyer McFadden would force Henry to admit in court that he had concealed his own petty criminal conviction from 30 years earlier. McElroy would end up being acquitted due to reasonable doubt. So, not- decent, decent lawyer, who also sounds like he's a piece of- Yeah. So- Painting the picture of this guy, mm. he is huge. Mm-hmm. He intimidates people mm-hmm. physically by going around and harassing them. And, and then when he gets called out on it, he intimidates them further. And then his lawyer makes people think that they're liars and just, yeah. Before we move on, I have to give a fair warning. The next part deals with some extreme violence against women. Uh-huh. Um, I am not going to go into detail, but uh, I think- I thought, you, I thought he was going to give another itchy warning. But it's beyond icky it's, warning. Yeah, it's serious. Okay. Um, it is not icky like eating people. It is disgusting. It makes me feel uncomfortable reading it. Yeah. So if you are not wanting to hear that, skip forward a few minutes. I will get through it as quick as possible. Um, but I think it's important that we understand who this person really was, uh, which is why I've included it. So trigger warning. Yes. Strong one. So the worst of McElroy's alleged crimes was his assault, and I say that word to not say the worst word, of two girls aged 12 and 14. Well. He married both of them to avoid punishment for his crimes. Excuse me? Yes, with the girls being the only witnesses. His last wife, Trina McLeod, he met when she was 12. When he began dating her, and of course the law came knocking, he proposed. Initially, as you could understand, Trina's parents didn't like the idea of their daughter marrying this 35-year-old man. Okay, I was going to ask how old he was. So, she was 14 by the time this happened. He was 35. Okay. Yep. So Again, her pa- 1980s. What the yeah. hell? Mm-hmm. Her parents, not happy about this. Uh, uh, I, I, I can't understand why. That was until he burnt down their house and shot their dog. Old yellow, no. Mm-hmm. I'm really finding it hard to make jokes. In I know this, this bit's not funny. After Trina became pregnant at 14, she would come to live with McElroy and his second wife, who he was still married to. What about the first wife? Uh, not much about her. I assume that she kind of um, ran away fast. There's not a lot of information on her. Yeah, I couldn't find anything. Sharon McElroy. There's not a lot of information. I hope she on ran her. a long, long way away. I hope so as well. Um, McElroy would divorce his second wife in order to marry Trina as she was the only witness to his crime of being with her 
and she then wouldn't be compelled to testify. Trina and Alice, his second wife, would flee to Trina's parents' house after she gave birth, but McElroy would track them down and after bringing them home, would return to burn down Trina's parents' house again and shoot the dog for a second time, fatally killing it. Fatally, oh, killing, so it, fatally it, wounding. It didn't, <laughs> yeah, good, it didn't die the first time? Uh, no. So it's the same people? Yes. He burnt down the house a second time? Yes. Shot yes. their dog a second time? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I just, I, I, I have nothing to say. Yeah. It, yeah, based on, based on that, it becomes clear why I'm saying this guy's a prick and why it's a moral conundrum. I think that's an understatement. Yeah. McElroy would still be indicted in June of 1973 for arson, assault, and statutory rape in relation to the events with Trina. He would be released on bail and Trina would be sent to live with a foster family in another town in Missouri. McElroy would employ his favourite tactic and would sit outside the foster home for hours at a time staring. He would go one step further this time though, telling the foster family that he would trade girl for girl as he knew where the family's daughter went to school. He would face additional charges for doing this, but again would somehow avoid being convicted. Okay. In total, <laughs> McElroy would father 10 children to various women, what? including Trina and Alice. Yep. Okay. Later on, sadly, it seemed that Trina and Alice would be interviewed and would minimise the abuse they suffered from Ken. Trina would claim in an interview that the fire in her parents' house was caused by faulty wiring, and Alice would say in another interview, Ken was totally different from the way they are saying he was now. Oh, he was wild, but he wasn't guilty of all those things they say. He was honest and generous. I never knew him to steal anything, ever. Trina would give an insight into the narrative Ken wrote of himself in the same interview, saying, The officers were always hassling him. They'd accuse him of anything. Even things I know he didn't do because I was with him. They just hated him because he wouldn't kneel down to them. Sounds like a bit of Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. A bit. That's the the theory on them. Um, oh, that. And just because they're so young, so susceptible yeah. to it, probably. Imagine being 12. I didn't know shit when I was 12. Yep. I was an idiot. Absolute idiot. Had sawdust for brains. I have a 12-year-old. Yeah. I can agree. And inc- <laughs> and incredibly impressionable. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, at yeah, that yeah. age, you still have that thought of, like, adults know. Yeah, right? they know everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not if you ask my 12-year-old. <laughs> no. I have heard him tell you how to play games. <laughs> not just about games. Yeah. It's about everything at the moment. So, on the point of uh, McElroy and police, mm. it was said that even the local law officers were afraid of crossing McElroy. He was said to always be heavily armed and unafraid of shooting the police. Considering the amount he had already gotten away with and the fact that everyone was scared of him, even the police, the townspeople of Skidmore felt abandoned by the police and powerless to break the hold McElroy had over them. And again, there's 240 people in this town? Uh, 437. Oh, so 400. That's, sm- that's a small town. Everyone knows what's going on. Everyone would know and everyone would have been affected by it at yeah. some stage. My town growing up in New Zealand was like 700 people. Yeah. And that is, there's nothing there. Yeah. Yeah, it is a oh, tiny, tiny man. place. One event, though, would change everything mm. and would lead to another event <clears throat> that would cement Skidmore as a pretty damn weird place. I think it's already pretty weird. Yeah. So now we're getting into 1980 and 1981. Yep. Um, there are two events, one of which is the murder, and the other one is the event that sort of started the ball rolling for what happened uh, in the murder. So on April 25th of 1980, McElroy's daughter, Tonya, 
would be caught stealing candy by store clerk Evelyn Sumi and told to return the stolen candy. What year did you say? 18, no, uh, 19, 1980. 1980. Okay. So 43 years ago to the date of last episode. Yes. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we're not good at lining these things it. up with, with events, are we? <laughs> the shop was owned by Ernest Bo Bowencamp and his wife, Lois. When Ken found out about the incident, he would be infuriated that someone would dare call out one of his children for being a thief and would begin stalking the Bowen camps. All right, so the child's old enough. How old's, sorry, did you say how old the child was? Uh, 10, I believe. Okay, yep, okay. Child's 10, yep. Yeah, she was young enough to steal candy. So, right. um, the, apples fallen far from the tree by the sounds of it. Yeah. This, so the stalking would lead to the events of July 8th of 1980 where Ken would escalate things by pulling up into the alley behind the store, threatening Bo Bowencamp with a shotgun before shooting him at the, in the neck at close range. Bo Bowencamp survived the shooting and would report the incident to police, what? leading to Ken, Max, Ken Rex McElroy being arrested and charged with attempted murder. Shot him in the neck. Yeah, with a shotgun, shotgun. at close range, and the guy survived. <sighs> Props to that dude. Yeah. I mean, he's already shot you in the neck. You've got to go after him. Now, what's he going to do to you? Shoot you in the neck again? Mm. I've already survived that bitch. Come at me. <laughs> yeah, that theme comes up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ken's preliminary trial would be set for August 18th, 1980. And as usual, he would begin his attempts to intimidate the Bowen camps and their supporters to try and keep them from testifying. Lois would later recall the things that he would do. That's Bo Bowen camp's wife mm-hmm. stating, you can't know how intimidating it was after that. Before his trial, he'd drive up to our house in his pickup at night and just sit there. Sometimes he would fire his gun. It was frightening. So this guy is now just like sitting outside people's houses, staring into it and shooting a gun. Like, how? How is he getting away with this stuff? I mean, how is he not getting shot then? Like, to me, that would be, and America's got, I don't know if it's going to be in the episode, but we discussed like just crazy gun happenings in America. But I would have thought, yeah, why? Uh, yeah, uh, how was somebody not shot this guy? Escalation. What is it? Escalation of defense or something like that? You're allowed to escalate by one yeah. level for wh- however you feel threatened. Like if if I'm there and the guy's sitting outside my house shooting a gun, I'm feeling threatened. And if I own a gun, what are the police he's got a, doing? He's got a gun. I'm shooting. What are the police doing? But anyway, I think everyone at this point is just so scared of this guy. They're yeah. like, oh, oh, oh. You know, scared kind of if paralyzed. They, if, they, if they do shoot him, he's. He's not yeah. going to do anything because he's so massive. Yeah. So McElroy would delay the trial until June 25th of 1981 through legal manoeuvres to attempt to give himself more time to intimidate. During the delays, the acting prosecuting attorney would resign, some speculating that McElroy had pressured him through various means to quit. Got to him. A young prosecutor named David Baird would take his place and despite only being three years out of law school, would do what nobody else had ever managed to do. Go, Davy and secured a conviction. Yes, Davey. It was not for attempted murder, but for second-degree assault, with a maximum jail sentence of two years, as Baird had lessened the charge in order to secure a conviction. The judge would release McElroy on bail, though, pending his appeal, which would set the scene for the events that followed. Mm -hmm. So even though he shot the guy in the neck, they had to reduce the charge in order to make sure that they could get him convicted. But he did it. He got this guy convicted and then he gets let out on bail. Kenwood's state of the trial. The jury convicted me. Oh, don't forget though, Ken's the victim here of the police. He's The yeah. police are just, they're targeting me. I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't shot a dude in the neck point blank with a shotgun. That was, yeah. 
He did it to himself. I haven't shot a dog twice. Yeah, I haven't burned, burned down, down two houses. Yeah. The same, no, he didn't burn down two houses. The same house he, twice. Yeah, yeah. He burned down one house. So he said of the trial, the jury convicted me and they gave me two years. But I'll tell you what, I'll never go to jail. I'll appeal and get off. I've been fighting the law since I was 13 and I'm damn near 50. I've been arrested for over 53 felonies and this is the first one I ever lost. Jeez. That's got to be a world record, right? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be pretty good. Like pretty up there, I should say. Yeah. Mm. I, don't know if, I don't know if they record those kind of things because you don't want to encourage other people to try and break yeah. them, but it'd have, it'd have to be a world record. Once released on bail, Ken would immediately head to the local D&G tavern to drink, taking with him an M1 Garand rifle fitted with a bayonet. That's a big boy gun. That, that, what caliber is a Garand? It's like a 308, isn't it? It's a, it's a big boy gun. And again, back to America and their guns. Something I've recently discovered. Um, we all know Americans love their guns. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas, you can open carry. Yep. You can walk into a Walmart with your open carry. It's a 30 odd six. It's a 7.62 bullet. That's a f- big bullet. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's an AK 47. AK 47 round. Yeah. You can, you can walk into Walmart with your open carry gun. Uh, I believe they can have assault rifles, open carry. Mm. You cannot walk into Walmart with a chainsaw as that is too dangerous. Wild. And again, you can have your guns, but I believe a part of the, the gun control that they do have is you cannot have a bayonet on your gun because yeah. again, too, too dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> you, could walk in, you could walk in with your big ass gun, but up until recently you couldn't smoke weed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could walk in anywhere you yeah, want but, with your gun, but up until a couple of years ago, Sean, you couldn't be gay and married. But Sean, okay, that's this is saying that a knife on the end of a gun is too dangerous. Yeah. Do you see, that's just moronic. I know. Don't get me started on gun safety. <clears throat> it's not worth it. Yeah. So, yeah, so he's got an M1 Grand. So he's got an M1 Grand with a bayonet sitting there drinking. Which I personally would love an M1 Grand. Just. Just, sure. a, just a display model, just to put on the wall. I don't want it to fire or anything. How about we all just agree guns are cool? Yeah. It still doesn't mean that you should have one and carry no, it around. I don't have one. Yeah. I don't plan on getting one. Tanks are cool. I don't want a tank in my house. <laughs> so, yeah, he's sitting here. <laughs> he's sitting there with this gun drinking. Yeah. At the bar. Yeah. And he's making graphic threats about murdering Bo Bowen Camp. Oh, my goodness. Leaving the townspeople in the bar shocked and frightened. Some of the patrons decided to see what they could do to stop McElroy, with the local sheriff suggesting a neighbourhood watch. Ken would be arrested, though, before immediately being released, with the only consequence being that the appeal hearing was delayed until July 20th. So, he did get arrested for this, but- For making the threats and stuff. Yeah. Well, no, for having a weapon. Oh, right. Because that was a condition of his bail that he wouldn't have a weapon. Right, okay. Following these events- and two weapons. Or was it class as one because the knife one. was attached to the gun? Following these events, the town would organise a meeting in, town, in the town's Legion Hall just down the street from the D&G Tavern on July 10th. So this is like two weeks after mm-hmm. he was released on bail. As many as 60 people attended, including the mayor and the sheriff. The meeting was to discuss what could legally be done to stop McElroy from hurting anyone else. The meeting can be summed up with a quote from one of the townspeople in attendance. We simply felt that the system had failed us. We all knew what McElroy was like, and there he was again and again. It seemed like nobody could stop him. While the meeting was happening, McElroy showed up to drink at the D&G Tavern with his wife, Trina. Word made its way back to the men at the Legion Hall that McElroy was in town drinking. When asked, the sheriff would instruct the town to avoid 
any direct confrontation with McElroy and then said again, you guys should seriously consider that neighborhood watch. He would then promptly get in his police cruiser and leave town. <laughs> Smart sheriff. The meeting would be adjourned and the 60 townspeople would head to the D&G Tavern. Right, so 60 townspeople, 400 odd, like total. Yeah. It's like- It's almost one- 20% of the town. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's, yeah. like, it's like one fifth of the town. Mm. I love this sheriff. Guys, don't have a direct yeah. confrontation. He's do co- not go down to the pub as a gang. Don't do that. Do not get your pitchforks and don't your torches. Don't become a gang and attack him. Don't become a mob. Now I'm getting in my car and I'm leaving. I'm All right? I'm, don't do that. I'm starting a vacation. <laughs> I will not be back for one I'm week. I'm going to make sure I, t- I can't see you anymore and I'm going to trust that you're not yeah. going to become a gang. S- smart sheriff. Yeah. Smart sheriff. Not that I'm saying that he incited them to do this, but it sure is convenient. So once the 60 people get to the D&G Tavern, some went inside. Oh, so they, they did go down and, to, and yes, see. Yes, they oh, did do the thing that- The sheriff told them yeah. not to do. Okay. Some went inside to watch McElroy finish his drinks before following him outside. The others would flank McElroy's pickup outside, waiting for him to leave. Once McElroy had finished his drinks, he and Trina would leave the bar and walk to their pickup where McElroy would light a cigarette in the driver's seat with Trina sitting in the passenger seat. Trina would later claim that she looked over her shoulder to see someone pull a rifle from the back of the pickup, take aim, and pull the trigger. Multiple shots rang out in the air as the glass windows were shattered. Trina would dive from the pickup and be picked up by a man named Jack Clement and walked to the bank for safety. McElroy would die in the pickup, having been shot twice by two different guns. None of the witnesses to the event called an ambulance. McElroy was dead and nobody did anything about it. So not one of the townspeople called an ambulance. They just all kind of went, hmm. They all did the thing that they do in the movies and they looked at each other and nodded. Yeah. just 60 witnesses would be at the scene, but only Trina claimed to have seen the shooter. Yeah, wow, that's strange. 60 people and no one saw anything. Every other person at the scene claimed to be unable to say who had taken the shot or that they hadn't seen the shooting at all. <laughs> and I... I it's kind of a terrible incident, but do you know what this reminds me of? Have you what? seen in Among Us when they do like a stack kill in the game? Oh, yeah. Where everyone's together and the imposter kills someone, but because everyone's so close, you can't tell who did it. That's the image I'm getting. I'm getting it. I mean, it's a pretty apt image. Yeah. 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 So every other person claimed to have not been able to see it. Um, Cheryl, uh, Cheryl Houston, Bo Bowenkamp's daughter, saw the shooting unfold from her family's store. That's a bit sad. I mean, it, it, he's a- Piece at work, but it's still her dad. No, no, no. This is the shopkeeper that he shot in the neck. Oh, yes. okay. Sorry. Who was, sorry, 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 sorry. Yep. Who was also only one grade younger than Trina, his yep. wife. Yeah. I was pointing that out. Mm. Okay. So she saw the shooting unfold from the family store and said the following of what happened after the shooting took place. Oh, so she did. There was a witness apart from the wife. There was 60 witnesses. 60 witnesses. Oh, but they, they all said they could see, they could see yeah, the shooter. Okay. So she said- once the shroud of silence fell, there was going to be no one talking. They could have pushed and dug, pushed and dug, and gotten nothing. We were so bitter and so angry at the law letting us down that it came to somebody taking matters into their own hands. No one has any idea what a nightmare we lived. So it kind of seems like the townsfolk are kind of acknowledging that they're like not saying what happened, mm. but none of them are admitting that they know what happened. Mm. So like, oh man, you can understand why none of us are saying anything. Personally, I saw nothing. 
but I can understand why other people <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah. The district attorney would decline to press charges citing a lack of evidence and an extensive federal investigation would also turn up nothing. Only Trina would make a claim as to who had shot McElroy, claiming it to be a local named Del Clement. However, he would deny the claim and as no other witness came forward, he would never be charged. Harry N. McLean, an author who wrote a book titled In Broad Daylight, which investigated the murder, spent time with Clement and said of him, he was a short man with a chip on his shoulder, a hot temper, wore a cowboy hat and drank heavily. It wasn't hard to imagine him jerking the gun from his pickup in a burst of anger and opening up on the large black head on the other side of the rear window of the pickup. So saying like, maybe it's not that crazy that he just picked it up and shot at a figure yeah. that he knew to be him. Yeah. McLean would say that even though he spent years researching the shooting, he never heard another name seriously suggested as the shooter on that day. Clement would pass away in 2009 and until his death would deny that he was the one to pull the trigger. McLennan states on the shooting that he feels it's a mistake to put too much emphasis on who pulled the trigger. Some believe that the shooting was a plot that was planned at the town meeting. McLennan, uh, McLean doesn't believe that, saying that he thinks that a small group of people made the impulsive decision to take action and that the town stood behind them in, com- in complicit silence. He doesn't think it was a planned vigilante ac- uh, action. Ultimately, three grand juries would be called to hear evidence on the case, and all three would end with nobody being indicted in the murder. Trina would file a $6 million wrongful death lawsuit against the town of Skidmore, Nottoway County, Sheriff Danny Estes, Mayor Steve Peters, and Del Clement on July 9th of 1984. It would ultimately be settled for just $17,600, citing the desire to avoid costly lawyer fees if it went to trial. She would leave town and remarry, passing away in 2012 on her 55th birthday. As of now, the case is still open with no new leads on who may have pulled the trigger. Triggers. Yeah, there was two guns. Mm. There was two shooters. Two shooters, hey. Mm, Sound familiar? Mm. JFK, it's all connected. Cheekiverse. (laughs) After the shooting, (laughs) Skidmore. (laughs) After the shooting, Skidmore saw a significant decrease in cases of cattle and pig theft in the county, even in the month immediately following it. National media coverage followed, including from Rolling Stone and 60 Minutes. Headlines, headlines would emphasize the headlines. Vigi- <laughs> the headlines were in on it. The headlines were in on it. Headlines would emphasize the vigilante nature of the killing, but the only facts that are known are that Ken was killed due to what he did. Okay. So, what do you think? It's not as lighthearted as some of our other stories. What do we think that it was just? Are you asking if we think it was justified or? If I don't. I don't want to answer that question because I think it's too complex. Okay. But I think it I, just. I, I it's think, so hard to listen to that story and feel sorry for anyone. Oh yeah. Aside from Trina and Alice. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I definitely don't feel sorry for. Yeah, Kevin. I don't feel sorry for the guy that got murdered. No, I don't. Which is. I feel sorry for his victims. I feel I feel oh, sorry yeah. for Bo the townspeople who the, da- the daughters of Bo Bowen yep. Camp that had to deal with that entire scenario in the first place. Yep. Cheryl in particular. But then you have to look at it and go, well, the townspeople kind of ended up murdering someone as well. And mm-hmm. how do you feel about that? Like, can you like can you sit here and be like, yeah, it's justified? No, no, because I don't think anyone should ever be murdered. But then the police were doing nothing. I, I was going to say, I feel sorry for the for the townspeople who were let down by the authorities. Mm. In my and it doesn't it doesn't sound like they, the authorities did it on purpose. I just feel like they followed 
They follow the procedure that wasn't great. And the system let them down. In the rabbit hole dive that I ended up in, which makes me feel purely, yeah. Anyway, in the rabbit hole that I went down through that, um, Cheryl, the daughter of Bo Bowen Camp, who was one year younger than his wife, Trina, I should point out, um, did say that she feels that the police let down both the people of Skidmore and also McElroy's family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. The law as a, as a whole let yeah. them down. Yep. And that is the least funny episode that we will do. Yeah, I, I, I struggled to. <laughs> thanks for ending it on a downer, boy. Well, thanks for listening this week. If you <laughs> want to find us on the socials at Cheeky Tales Pod. On the other side of it, <laughs> what a wild story. Oh, crazy story. A guy story. got murdered in front of 60 people yeah. and everyone failed three, to notice Three what grand happened. juries, no yeah. witnesses. Like, And on that note. Let's wrap it up. And you can think at home about the moral implications of this story. I don't want to think about this story anymore. No. But we will be back on our 51st episode for probably a much less serious topic. Sports. Or something. It's going to be super It's going to be, be sports. It's going to be sports or- We or, like sports and we, we don't like, care said, who You knows. said Super League. I, I almost, I was thinking about doing the battle of the super, like the leagues. Super League and the uh, ARL. That's literally what we're talking about. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. all. Right. Yeah. I, had, I, had, yeah. I need all to right. do my footy tips. All yeah. right. Thanks for listening. At Cheeky Tales Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Share all it with your friends. You Chiquitos, thanks for listening. I want some Chiquitos. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, boy? At Cheeky Tales Pod, Facebook, Insta, and Twitter. Uh, there is a link tree there. We have videos referring to older episodes if you want to go back and check it out. Um, did you end up putting the link for the Sea Shepherd on the link tree? I did. From the, it is um, there currently. Episode, two episodes ago? Yes. Uh, three episodes, whatever it A is. A while back, yes, it is still there. Um, get on there, uh, give us some feedback, tell us your thoughts on this moral conundrum um, and give it a share. Maybe share a different episode than this one first. <laughs> On a more lighter subjects. Yeah. Um, and then this this maybe, episode's for the loyals. The loyal yeah, maybe fans. your friends can naturally find this one and then they can get on and, and share their thoughts as well. But yeah, if you could please share us, that'd be great. We can uh, spread the word, spread the cheeky verse. Um, that'd be lovely. But thanks for listening. Thanks for telling us the story of Ken McElroy. Ken Rex McElroy. Um, yeah, interesting one. And we'll see you in a fortnight. See you see in a fortnight. fortnight. Good night. Good night, Chiquitos. Good night, Chiquitos. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>